20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. Along with Acme Packing Company, I'm joined once again by the one and only Justice Mosqueda. You can find him on Twitter or X at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. Justice, it has been a very fun couple days. Uh, We get to break down Packers Bears. We get to look ahead to Packers Cowboys. But Before we get there, how the heck have you been? I'm great. I'm currently uh, watching, I think, America's team, the Michigan Wolverines, be down on the Washitoskis. So... I think that's that's good for me as I'm somehow the only uh, Ducks fan who's also a Packers fan. So you just I'm like sure green the, and yellow. The Wisconsin, yeah, the Wisconsin fans are probably not so happy. But me, no, personally, no. Ted Bundy was a Husky. So <laughs> yeah, there I did see that that tweet. Who, who was Ted Kaczynski? Was the Michigan guy? Ted Kaczynski is Michigan. Yeah. Gotta love it. Um, all right, let's jump into obviously what has happened. The Packers are going to the playoffs. It's absolutely freaking amazing. Well, let's just start there. Packers are going to the postseason. It has been a crazy topsy turvy, up and down roller coaster season. Two and five, beat some good teams. You get the Tommy DeVito situation. Baker Mayfield looks like the second coming of whatever great quarterback you want to insert. Uh, and then, of course, you get a three game win streak to end the year. How are you feeling about this Green Bay Packer team? Right now, I mean, so Tex and I had a funny conversation. We played a little game of like, uh, do you believe last night after the game? I don't think I believe. I don't think I believe that this team can go on a playoff run and, you know, win the Super Bowl or anything. I think this team is probably better than the 16 team that made it all the way to the NFC Championship game. So, like, maybe – you know, maybe they beat Dallas. They get lucky against the Niners because I think they're they're gonna have to get lucky against the Niners, frankly, yep. to advance. And then I think that's probably when you know the Cinderella story probably uh, ends. But um, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm I'm happy. I mean, as long as Jordan Love doesn't get hurt in this game, I mean, everything is just house money at this point, right? Like, there's no real expectations for this year. So we've done it already. We're editing that out because we're not even putting that in the ether that Jordan Love could get hurt in any any game ever. That's not going to happen. Uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think for the most part, I think any realistic possibility of any sort of run probably ended when the Rams won and got the six seed. Um, I think there was maybe a path where if Green Bay got the six seed um, and then the Rams got the seven and somehow won, and then maybe the Rams could go into San Fran and somehow win that game and you can avoid that game altogether. Um, it, it'll be a difficult path and journey to Dallas, to San Fran, whether it's Philly, Detroit, LA, wherever it is after that, I guess Tampa maybe, but um, either way, that's a really difficult path to the, the the Super Bowl. And then you probably get matched up with Ravens, who is somebody really good in that situation yeah. as well. That that's a That is an extremely tough path that I don't think this team is anywhere near battle tested for yet, and nor are they supposed to be. I still feel like they're ahead of schedule. I'm still happy that they made it. Like to me, this first one's the big one. I know there's they they opened as seven and a half point underdogs to Dallas. When we did it live and Alex Strofe said that to me, I, I don't know what you would have like your gut feel feel would have been for what the the spread would have been, but 
I was surprised it was that high. I was thinking more like five and a half. And I know it's just like a two point difference or whatever, but seven and a half caught me a little bit off guard. I didn't think Green Bay was going to be quite that big of an underdog. I know Dallas is undefeated at home, but um, what, what are your thoughts on the spread? Um, I think it kind of made sense, honestly, um, not for like the traditional uh, gambling reasons, I guess. Like I know, you know, those numbers usually like it starts in Costa Rica and then it ends up trickling here and all that stuff. And it's really based off of like power rankings and things. But if you look at like certain trends, like I, I saw a stat that um, the Cowboys have the most 20 plus wins of any team in NFL history other than uh, what was it? The 2000, whatever the undefeated Patriots team was. Oh, oh, okay. Seven. Um, 2006, 2007, I was going to say somewhere yeah. in there. The 07 Patriots and the 99 Rams, right? So, like, when the Cowboys win, they win big. And I do think the Cowboys do match up pretty well against the Packers in terms of yep. just the things that the Packers aren't strong at, right? Um, defensively, I think the Packers really have an issue with formations that are wide, right? So, um, even the Bears game, right? Uh, you know, they, they go – empty and you know you're able to get dj Moore on quay walker on a little shallow crosser and that thing ends up you know going for a billion yards we could talk about um what happens when you spread out preston smith if you're in you know base defense formation they come out in two tight ends but they're empty now right now preston smith is over the weak slot that weak slot sometimes is Devonte adams right um, or CD Lamb, <laughs> or CD Lamb in this in this case scenario. I mean, we could look back at the Tampa game. I think Tampa did a pretty good job of isolating Green Bay. You know, an empty and uh, I, I'm forgetting his name. The offensive coordinator Canales, I think, is what it is, or Canellas. I don't know how you say it. Um, he's getting head coaching interviews now. I think he did a really good job in that game, and that game might have, you know, be one reason why he's getting an opportunity to be a head coach. Um, I think for all those reasons, and, you know, Mike is more of an old school West Coast guy. Like, he really hasn't changed. Like, he adds a couple more wrinkles here and there. But, you know, at the end of the day, he kind of wants to spread them out and just, like, deliver the ball. And Dak Prescott is pretty good at that. The only quarterback with more passing touchdowns in the NFL than Jordan Love is Dak Prescott um, for this season. So, I just kind of expect, like, CeeDee Lamb is going to be in the slot, and he's going to make our night hell. And... It's going to be big on Joe Barry because we see it. They see it. The Cowboys see it. Now, now what are you going to do about it? Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that is absolutely 1000% the matchup to watch. I'm looking for where CD Lamb is he in the slot? Is he getting the ball in the slot? Do the Packers have any answers? Like that's where the game feels like it's going to be one to me. That was my initial nightmare matchup last night when we talked about it as well was CD Lamb in the slot. Micah Parsons over Josh Myers. Uh, those were my two nightmare, like things that will keep me up this week. But we'll I don't see know. what I'm, happens with uh, Zach Tom too, because it's you know he was in and out of the lineup with a finger. So yeah, thankfully he finished the game. Um, I'm mostly confident that hopefully he's going to be okay. Uh, but yeah, that would be that would be a nightmare if Zach Tom for some reason was not able to go, especially with Micah in this game. Well, we'll jump back to Packers Cowboys at the end and kind of go through some more of the keys to that matchup. But I do want to get your thoughts, uh, obviously, on Packers Bears. Um, well, let's just start easy. What were sort of some of your key takeaways from this one and that allowed Green Bay to get into the playoffs? Honestly, the, the biggest takeaway is like if you're looking at the box score, you're probably scratching your head and being like, wait, why didn't they win by more points? 
Um, and yeah, I mean, it comes down to, you know, the end of half stuff, the Jordan Love fumble, just a bunch of dumb little things, right? Um, the missed field goal, like they probably could have scored three more times. Um, yeah. Bears defense or Bears offense didn't score a touchdown. They only got nine points. I mean, that was a thorough butt whooping to me. Um, and that's not reflective on on the scoreboard. Um, Bears fans seem to be going nuts. It's somehow Bears fans have convinced themselves it's everyone other than Ryan Poles' fault, which is crazy to me because I feel like I would blame Ryan Poles the most out of everyone. Um, we'll see if they make a coaching change or something like that. They haven't announced it at least as we're recording 7 p.m. Pacific on on Monday. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Preston might be on PEDs. Like, he, I don't know what's gotten into him the last two two games. The defensive line, the interior guys looked really good. Um, thought they all made a play. Um, Brooks, I actually. Uh, I, have, I have a buddy who works for Next Gen Stats. He's able to get me like the snap counts after the game, um, you know, before they release on like Monday morning or whatever. I, I had assumed Brooks was a guy who had displaced TJ Slayton on the snap counts just based off of how important he was in that yeah. game. And that simply was not the case. And I was just surprised when I saw the snap counts because I was like, that means Brooks was making like every other play. He was doing something that was greatly benefiting the Packers. I'm like, I don't I don't know. Like, maybe I don't like, I know Kenny's been looking good and you probably don't want to mess with that at this point in the season, but like going into next year, maybe Kenny should play nose again. And like, we could get Brooks playing some end, like get him on the field a little bit more. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about um, giving this defensive line one more year to kind of like figure it out and develop and all that stuff before you really start adding bodies to the mix. Cause I think Slayton can play, um, you know, that backup, nose tackle position. You don't really need a third end because you're going to be playing so much nickel that those guys are going to get rotated out anyway. And yep. you already have um, Wooden, right, who's, you know, he's a fourth-round pick. You're not going to move off of him and, like, cut him next nope. year or anything like that. So I think you roll with the five that you have, and you're pretty excited about what the potential can be. I understand, you know, the floor isn't super high outside of, you know, Kenny, um, but – those guys all made plays, and that was really exciting to see because that's really where you wanted to see a lot of development this year was that interior defensive line. Yeah, I want to I want to talk about the defense right away. And one of the things that I took away from this one is when they can get one on ones for a lot of those guys. I think that's when in that we saw a little bit more five man rushes, and it feels like when they can get Gary Preston Brooks Wyatt Clark, just a bunch of guys one on one. One or two of those guys are, are going to win. And we I think we saw that a little bit this past week. Thought they did a better job of kind of keeping the pocket a little bit more, you know, collapsed and, and not those escape easy escape routes for Justin Fields, holding him down. Um, obviously you have the five sacks, but not able to get out and run for a bunch of yards, I think was a huge key to this one. But my my big thing that I want to ask is it's two two back to back better performances from this defense against two not great offenses. I, I, I'll say it again. I don't think anyone's ready to crown anyone on defense and say the job done. They've got everything fixed. But has there been anything that you can look at and say, all right, I feel better about this, or is this just fool's gold and get ready for the Cowboys? Um, well, like I mentioned, I mean, I think the interior defensive line has been pretty hot. Preston Smith's been looking good. But as far as like some of the schematic issues that you have with Barry, or at least that I have with Barry. I know everyone doesn't like, you know, playing off coverage and stuff like that. And 
they just don't like the style of play. But in terms of like the actual like, to me, the ones that I'm like, this is a problem getting off the bus, right? Like wide formations is an issue for you. Um, I I didn't really see that fix. It's just something that the Bears really couldn't take advantage of. I mean, how much, you know, empty drop back game were the Bears really trying to do? Justin Fields had something like 15 dropbacks in the whole game, right? Like that's that's why I'm saying like this is going to be a different game going against the Dallas Cowboys than it is going to be going against the Chicago Bears, right? Um, So to me, no. Um, Sure looked like last week. Uh, they gave the game ball to Joe Barry and they cut it out of the video on the uh, Packer social media stuff. Um, you know, Matt talked about it in the presser in terms of like, you know, you got to give it to the defense and all that stuff. We only, you know, we, they didn't surrender a, a touchdown. So I think Matt is going to continue leaning toward wanting to keep Joe Barry. Um, and he's going to make you make him fire him. Right. And after this season, when, you know, he develops a quarterback and develops these receivers and stuff like that, do does someone have the clout to actually force him to do that? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we're kind of uncharted territory. I don't believe anything from anyone right now in terms of the confidence of Joe Barry's not going to be here or he's going to be here next year. I think you just got to let it play out. Um, I guess if you like, give up 50 to the Cowboys that could potentially swing it. But like, if you win this game, does he come back? I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I have no clue. Obviously I think uh, the, the chatter has been of like, Oh, all right. So they've had back-to-back good performances against crappy teams. Joe Barry's going to save his job. They go to the playoffs and it's going to be, you know, run back again next year. And where I'm kind of at with it right now is like, let's just see where this goes over the course of the next game or two. I think there's a decent well, chance Preston, that Preston's come back out too, right? And Preston, you know, was saying yeah. like put respect on Joe Barry's name and all sorts of stuff. Like there are people advocating for Joe Barry in this organization, and that cannot be understated. Like there are people that want Joe Barry to keep that job. So yeah, keep that in it, mind. It, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, I still think, you know, what happens in this next game or two as, as a potential huge bearing on everything and, I think if Green Bay goes into Dallas and Dallas puts up 35 points and they lose, I still think that might be a, a final dagger. But like I we'll get there when we get there is kind of where I'm at with it right now. Let's yeah. just see again how these next few games play out. One game, two game, three, whatever it ends up being. Let's see what happens. And then, you know, I think we're all gonna have a, a feel for it one way or the other. Once that once it does, is it that they lost because of the defense? Did they, you know, did they play awesome against Dallas, but the offense put up six points or something? And I, we'll, I think we'll have a better feel for it once it's all done. And I'm I'm more willing to just sort of compartmentalize it right now and say they made the playoffs. They play Dallas this week. I'm super freaking excited about that. To me, I've still seen enough over three seasons to say it hasn't been good enough in three years. Uh, and I don't think anything outside of like a, a crazy run could change my mind of that. But I, as far as to your point, what the Packers are actually going to do, what Matt's going to do, that's way more unpredictable. And I'm with you. I don't necessarily believe anything one way or the other at this point. I'm I'm with you. Um, I think I've seen enough. And I think if it were my decision and I didn't have the pressure of, you know, hey, this team is in the playoffs and like, you know, what what does that look like moving forward? Right. Definitely pull the trigger. Um, 
but as far as if if they actually will or not, if someone has a clout to tell Matt, hey, you got to change it up. If Matt actually has some sort of change of heart, that's something I'm not going to be able to answer. And frankly, I don't think they're thinking about it right now. I mean, they're preparing for a, a playoff game. So totally, yeah. Even like if if the Packers lose and the Cowboys put up seventy. I guarantee you Matt's going to be like, I need some time to think about things. Like even in that situation, it's not going to be like, yep, he's gone. Like I guarantee you, he will take time to make that decision. Good, bad, or ugly the remainder of the season and really think through things. I'm sure talk with Goody and and Murphy and everyone and, and just kind of see what direction they want to go into moving forward. But I'll just say one more time. I'm much more willing at this point to just say, I'm, I don't, well, we can figure that out in the off season. And right now I'm so much more just excited about this team how far they've come, the offense specifically, Jordan Love specifically, and we'll worry about the defense. And the other thing I'll say too, and I think I think maybe we talked about this in the past, but I still, I'm still i still a pretty firm believer, and obviously things have accelerated uh, with Jordan playing the way that he has. I still don't think 24 is like the year. I don't think you're like shooting for 20, 24 to be your uh, Super Bowl, like we got to win right now. I still think it's 2025 and beyond, especially with all the youth that you have in this team. If the, if a run in the playoffs keeps Joe in, in you know in this job for one more year, and then the, the, you go through next year and it, it just implodes and it all of a sudden the, the defense is terrible, they'll fix it and then they'll go into twenty twenty five when it ultimately probably matters a little bit more. But I don't know. I'm I'm less concerned about it right now. I just want to see how they play against Dallas. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. I had that conversation with Tex too. We're like, so it feels like we're a year ahead of schedule. But is it still is it still twenty five or twenty four? I've I'm letting everyone know I'm going to convince myself twenty four can be one of those years if they have another one of these drafts where they take a bunch of guys that I like and they show out pretty early. So we'll I mean, see. to be, to be clear, like they're in the they're in the dance now. They're they're going to be they should be better next year. They've got five. Uh, top what uh, what do we know what the the pick with the Jets ended up being uh, well we don't even know the Packers I guess final pick where that's going to end up but um, five top 100 picks in the draft it's going to end up in some capacity and uh, yeah I think they can still get better I still I think they might make like a splash in free agency I don't know that it's going to be anything like massive but I do think they'll be better so I'm not limiting this team in any way I'm just saying like I'm still like bullseye target on 2025 of like if everything goes according to plan they could be really really freaking good by that point um so I'm looking at Tankathon right now yep. draft power rankings Packers are fourth and draft value they're actually like right there with the Chicago Bears um funny wow. enough at, at three and four uh is that taking have- into consideration how both teams actually draft I'm just kidding <laughs> yeah Exactly. Um, the Packers' current picks are 19, 41, 52, 83, 92, 120. And then after that, it's all, you know, later day three picks. So you're getting six in the uh, top 120, uh, three in the top 50-ish, and then, you know, five in the top 92. So, yeah, I mean, you're armed to the gills outside of the first round, basically. If I were Brian Gutekunst, I would just do everything the exact same that he did this year. Just do that again. Just to just do 2023 over again in 2024. Uh, exactly. All right, let's talk about some really good stuff. Let's get off of Joe Barry. Let's talk about the the juiciest conversation of all. That is the one and only Jordan freaking love. Uh, I, I've, I've talked about him already quite a bit. I'm sure you have as well. I'm astounded at all of the things that he has corrected in real time through the course of the season. The, the talk of like, well, he, 
We're not sure he can make any wild throws, so only he's making wild throws. Well, the completion percentage is never going to get there. Well, he finished the season with 64% completion percentage. Well, there's too many interceptions. He finished the season with 11 picks, like, and he's corrected every single one of those things through the course of the season. He seems to get more and more autonomy at the line of scrimmage, using his cadence, checking out of plays. Uh, he tried and almost got the, the Bears on a free play because they, had, they were swapping people out, and they had to call a timeout because they were so – uh, disjointed with everything that was going on. This is his first freaking year as a starter at age. He turned 25 in November and all of this stuff is happening. I don't know. Go for it. The floor is yours. I don't even have a question for you. That's how awesome he's playing. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw some, I uh, I think it was from CBS sports. I saw a tweet that said, uh, you know, first year as a starter, no quarterback, uh, only two quarterbacks have ever thrown for more yards and more passing touchdowns in their first year in the NFL it's Patrick Mahomes, which that guy's pretty good. And it's Kurt first year Warren. as a starter, I'm assuming you mean? Yes, first year as a starter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that kind of puts it into perspective, right? I mean, he finished second in the NFL in passing touchdowns. That's nice. And sorry, it was Patrick Mahomes and who else? Kurt sorry, Warner. Kurt Warner, okay. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, above and beyond, we have, you know, two wide receivers now who can catch – 100-yard passing games. Bob Melton has come out of absolutely nowhere, had over 170 yards over the last two games. Um, insane. I mean, I've seen multiple different versions of the Photoshop of, uh, you know, that Aaron Rodgers with all the wide receivers cover for Sports Illustrated that now features, you know, they put Jordan Love in the middle and all the wide receivers and tight ends around him. They actually, if you do the math, like th- there needs to be another spot uh, a lot of people are leaving Tucker Craft off and then people sneaking Tucker Craft's head just popping in or another another face somewhere else on the cover. Um, yeah, I mean, there's absolutely reasons to get excited about this offensive passing game. It's been amazing to see how far this team has gone. I mean, they, they couldn't run the correct routes to start the season. They couldn't complete a deep ball, even though they were they were attempting more deep balls than anyone else in the league. And now he's just like blacking out. And some of the plays that even didn't count are some of the more impressive plays from that Bears game, right? Like we're talking about the throw in the back of the end zone that didn't end up being a touchdown and stuff like that. Like there's – yeah, I mean, he's going to get like a $45 million per year contract in March, you know, as soon as they're able to sign him, right? Um, You should be very excited about Jordan Love and his potential moving forward. Five year, four year, six year. What are you thinking? Uh, I don't know if it matters. I would assume he probably wants five years because five years is the most amount of years that you can stretch over a salary uh, or a signing bonus. Um, I guess you could probably do it as an extension if you don't want to rip up the contract and it could be like a four year extension. Um, I know he hit a bunch of incentives. Again, I don't think that's going to matter if I'm Jordan Love's agent. I'm just like, rip it up. Give me a new deal. Um Let's talk business and let's sign it. Uh, I, I I think a lot of it's going to come in the form of a signing bonus as far as like the guarantees concerned. I think he's going to have probably something like uh, rolling guarantees where like uh, almost like the Mahomes deal where it's like two years beforehand, you know, the, the next season's uh, salary guarantees. I, I don't think the Packers are going to lock themselves up into a situation where they can't get out of the deal but it's going to be very favorable to keep Jordan Love. And I think that's probably going to be enough to to get it done for a quarterback who has, what, 18 starts under his belt right now. I mean, 
18 starts, $250 million. Like that's, it's pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. Good deal for him. Good deal for his agents. I think it's a really good deal for Green Bay too. Uh, I have I, I signed it if I'm the Packers without even batting an eye. Uh, he's he's answered every question for me. I, the clutch question was like one of the last ones of like, all right, well, how does he do in a big game in a must win situation? And he performed. I know he had the fumble, but uh, what five incompletions and two of them should have been insane touchdown catches, yeah, and he should have only had exactly. three incompletions. So. He, he's answered pretty much everything. Obviously you have to like the playoffs are different. Well, and that's why I'm so excited to see this test against Dallas this week, just to see what does this look like? Dave? I, and I, I don't, I don't have no doubts of what he can do in this game. I know it's a really fast defense. I know we'll, we'll, we'll break it down a little bit too, but right now he's throwing the ball as well as anyone. I, I talked to Perry and Alex yesterday and said, it, it's right back to when, when the ball leaves his hands, you're watching the game on TV and you don't know where it's going because you can't see the receivers and tight ends down the field. The ball leaves his hands. I just already have that like crazy innate trust of like something good is going to happen here. Um, and almost like when the, as soon as the ball's released and to have that already, uh, I, I don't have enough positive things to say. It is, it is really, really fun to watch him and, and just his growth through the course of the season. Yeah. And all you have to do is look at what uh, other NFC North teams are uh, saying to realize how special Jordan Love is. Lions fans are like, wait, this is only momentary. Like, I'm I'm about to lose this as soon as I grabbed onto the wheel. Vikings fans are just, I don't even know, like disengaged from the entire situation. Their quarterback is probably going to get extended. He's going to be like 40 years old, and he's got an Achilles tear. Um, Bears fans, I saw, who was it? It was a former Bear. It was Alex... Uh, I can't remember who it was, but he basically got on like like CSN Chicago or something like that. And then basically yep. went on a rant where he's like, I want that. I want oh, we don't have that. I want a quarterback yeah. like that. And it's like, just sign me up for 15 more years. I have to actually look up because uh, what was it? Uh, I can't remember who it was. I'm in a group chat with a bunch of like national sports writers and they were talking about rookie quarterbacks and situations that they messed up. And I actually had to like use like pro football reference to figure out when the last time a rookie quarterback started for the Packers. And there's been two in my father's lifetime. One, one of them was Charlie Whitehurst. The other, I think it was uh, Mikowski was the other one. Yeah. Um, Charlie Whitehurst's father, not actually Charlie Whitehurst. Um, <laughs> David Whitehurst, right? David Whitehurst. I don't know. That was like 77 when I checked it. So yeah, my dad was like five. I'm 30. Um but yeah, so like, what a blessed life to be a Green Bay Packers fan. I never have to worry about the most important position in the entire sport because we don't have a dumb owner breathing down our neck being like, you have to get this guy ready to play immediately when anything looks, you know, semi-wrong. Like, we did it, guys. The process worked. Hey, friends. I'm sure you're all familiar with some of the hassles of finding game tickets at a reasonable price without all the headaches that go along with it. I've been on a bit of a roll lately as I went through one ticketing service that never sent me the tickets and I had to panically try to get a hold of somebody the day of the game. I had another service that didn't allow me to transfer tickets. So when I could no longer go to the Wisconsin Iowa game, transferring the tickets was extremely difficult. It was just all so frustrating. That was until I found Game Time. Game Time is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. 
GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using GameTime, stress-free. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Oh, and GameTime is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code PACKADAY. Download GameTime today, last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. My my first ever uh, game as a Packer fan was in the north end zone when Brett Favre came in for an injured Don Mikowski and threw a game winning touchdown to Kittrick Taylor. That that was my baptism into Packer the the Packers fear. Uh, yeah, my dad lifts me up. It's in my end zone. I see it right in front of me. Kittrick Taylor hauls it in touchdown. Uh, that that's it. That's like the start of it. I had I, obviously I remember some Mikowski. I, re, I remember some Mike Tomzak in there. Uh, there. There's a couple of those, but like literally my first game is Brett Favre coming in for an injured Mikowski, and then I've just got to experience. I know a lot of other Packer fans in the same boat. Favre, Rodgers, and then now Jordan Love. And obviously we don't know where this will end for Jordan, and it's still a small sample size. We know he's super freaking talented. We know he's really good. Um, but you have obviously longevity and and like staying healthy and, and doing this year after year is a huge part of like becoming, you know, in the conversation of like Pro Bowl, All Pro, whatever it might end up being. But I don't know how you can't just be beyond through. I have a friend who's a Bears fan, and he's just like, what what are the literal odds that they can go back to back to back? He's like, it's not it's not fair. He's like, it's not. <laughs> he's like, what what are the mathematical odds that you can go from Favre to Rogers to love like that? Well, do you think that they're independent? Like that's what the problem is thinking about it as from like an odds perspective. Yeah. Do so you guys think it's independent? It's the whole nature versus nurture thing. Jordan Love nope. wasn't this guy coming out of college. Um, he Dude, sure he certainly had a bunch of talent. He regressed, I think, his last year at, at Utah State. I liked his sophomore stuff a lot more than his junior stuff. But, like, guys, this doesn't happen with a meddling owner. A meddling owner will not let you take a first-round pick, piss off Aaron Rodgers, who made you a ton of money, right? How many times did we have to hear that conversation of, 
you know, w- would it be better if the Packers had an owner? Would it be pack- better if the Packers had an owner? All this stuff, like, it's it's not an independent thing. It's a it's a process. Like that's why you have a strong front office. Um, that's why you, as and you know, quote unquote ownership, right? Whatever you want to call yep. Mark Murphy's presence slash CEO, but um, having guys who ha- can have the chops to kind of take the media heat and deal with the situation. And if you need to pay Aaron Rodgers, you know, out the butt basically, right. To, to be able to quiet him down and keep him uh, on your team when he's at an MVP caliber level, you end up doing it. And, you know, maybe that ends up being a cap situation that you have to deal with in 2023 and 2024, but you have a quarterback on the other side of the tunnel. Right. I, I don't think it's a, it's a, I, I don't think these are inter- independent interactions, right? Yep. The the fact that you can string them together, the fact that you don't have ownership, the fact that um, you have a strong front office, that's the reason why you're getting the success at the quarterback position. Uh, one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough, and I'm trying to put the timeline back together in my head because he gets drafted in 20. 20 doesn't have any mini camp OTA or training camp, right? It's all canceled due to COVID. So then you get third string quarterback, no preseason third string quarterback. So the first time that we, from like a media standpoint, like credentialed, got a look at him was 2021, like OTAs and mini camps, if I remember correctly. And whenever it was, I think that's when it was, how it was reported on Jordan Love was one of the kinder reportings by everyone in the Packers side of media that I've ever seen. I was there. It was as ugly as ugly could be. Um, so not only was he not ready in 2020 to come in and like, if he had to be the guy right away, cause you're a first round pick and you need to be the starting quarterback 2021, he comes back OTAs, mini camps. Like I cannot tell you like nothing past 10 yards was open down the field. In fact, I think, I think it might've been Blake Bortles that they picked up at some point in yeah. 21 yep. because there was a specific practice that I remembered where like, it was just love, like trying to go through progressions, having no idea swing pass outside on a check down love trying to go. have no, it was just every single play was just a check. And maybe he did a check down over the middle, but like anything past five, 10 yards was just like basically off limits. He didn't know how to like, couldn't get there. And then I remember like, I think it was Bortles comes in and like just rifles one down the field. And I'm like, oh, well, that's <laughs> that looked different. Like Bortles and he hits some like undrafted wide receiver down the left sideline for a huge touchdown. I'm like, all right, Blake Bortles is just completely outplaying uh, the, the the rookie first round pick. And for the most part, I think everyone sort of understood the COVID year was sort of just a you know, nightmare sort of season. This is his first OTAs in mini camps getting a chance. And I think everyone sort of reported on it nicely. But man, it it was super, super ugly at times. And the from that up until now is like you said, it's been a process. It's not discussed enough. And Green Bay's done a brilliant job with it. And I think Green Bay was a little bit surprised too, because um, <laughs> yeah. Jordan's put a lot of work into this independently. And the the way it kind of came across to me and how I pieced it together is he basically showed up in 22 and they were like, Oh, he's like taking the, he's taking the jump. Like he might be ready. And then you get, you know, everything that happens with Rogers in the off season and stuff. And then, you know, them actually deciding to pull the trigger there. But yeah, I mean, by all indications, he wasn't ready or even close to ready until 2022. Right. And, By that point, you're talking about ben, you're sitting a guy for two years. Even just that 
not including the third year and Aaron Rodgers and all that, everything else, MVP quarterback going on a, a potential title run where you're kicking all this money forward, all that stuff. Like how many teams are willing to just sit a guy for two years? No, none. Yeah, the, almost Jets. None. the Jets can't sit Zach Wilson for Excellent. two games without it being a national headline and, you know, everything blowing up on them. Like, Trust the process. I've, I've never believed more in the process than I do right now. I like it. Definitely trust the process. Always trust the process. Unless you're a Philadelphia 76ers fan, then probably don't ever trust the process. Um, all right. I want to talk about the wide receiver core that has no stars. We, we've talked about it a ton. Uh, obviously, that was Jaquan Brisker's comment. Uh, this This wide receiver group, every single week, it seems like a different guy goes down and it just doesn't matter at all. Uh, even remotely. Uh, Christian Watson can't get back. Dobbs goes down. Reed goes out. Wicks goes out. And it just eh, that doesn't matter. Bo Melton, you're up. Malik Keith, you're up. And they just keep performing. You mentioned it earlier. There's not enough bodies on the SI cover to to cover everyone with the the talent that they have. Musgrave gets back and only, only had one catch, but uh, he's going to add another flavor to this offense. Add in Aaron Jones rushing for 120 yards every single game. And you get an offense. This is this is by the way when I was going through grades. I think this is the most impressive seventeen point offensive performance I've ever seen in my lifetime. Like they they balled the frick out. Just a had a couple of those- ass whooping that did not get reflected in the final nope. score again. Yeah, exactly. But what I don't know what else there is to say about this young wide receiver core. But I don't care how many stars or not stars they have. I'll take all of those guys every day of the week and be super satisfied with who they have. Do you know who led the wide receivers in snaps in this game? Uh, so it, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it was maybe Melton. It was Bokeem. It was, it was Bokeem Melton. Yep. That's interesting moving forward. Right. Cause that <laughs> I'm, means legit. I'm, I'm a million percent sold already. I, I'm yeah. a million percent sold. Where? Okay. Where, where are Dobbs and Watson on the wide receiver rankings on this team? Cause this is where we get dangerous, right? Yeah, it's we we close the door and then we become the guys that everyone screenshotted from uh, Devonta's first two years in the NFL, and they're like, "You wanted to quit on him." I, so I, I have wanted to quit on Amari Rogers too. I have separate feelings on both. I am a, I'm not willing to quit on Christian Watson at all, and I think his high points have been so like high enough that I. I'm still super like he just has to be on the field, and when he's on the field, this offense looks different. Even if it's like how teams play with he, with him on the field and some of the stuff you can do, I'm I'm totally cool with that. Um, again, he just needs to play and he needs to be healthy. And Green Bay is well aware of it as well. Matt Lafleur, how many times now has mentioned of like they have to look into it in the off season how to keep this guy healthy. Yeah. Uh, so th- they know it as well. But I'm I'm still all in on Christian Watson. I'm not selling any stock on Christian Watson. I know everyone else seems to want. I will buy all of it. I will gladly buy all of it. Romeo is different. And I just think this is exactly who Romeo is. And that's not a bad thing at all. He's a good wide receiver. I just think that you and you might have four guys that have more upside than him ahead of him and a very specific role for Malik Heath and what he kind of does as well. Uh, he's, he's an interesting player. I, I just, I love the depth that they have. And I honestly don't really care how they rotate him in, but Dobbs, I'm less of like, I don't think he has a high, I just think this is who Romeo Dobbs is. Yeah, I think Dobbs, and I've compared it to kind of the late career Randall Cobb stuff, where it's like you want a guy to catch balls over the middle, like 
he's probably your best shot because he does have inconsistent hands, but he can make as far as the high difficulty catches, he has the potential to make those at a higher clip than a lot of the wide receivers on this team. As far as Watson, I'm fine with him being on the field. The one thing that kind of gives me pause though is like if Watson is missing, do I really think the offense like is hurting at this point? And I don't no. think so. Um so let, let, me, let me ask you this. I, I want to ask you something. I do feel I, I I totally agree with what you're saying. And I do feel differently. Like when Watson was out for this game, I, there was not a piece of me that's like, well, they're going to struggle now. I'm like, they, they have all the guys. But to an extent, and I know it wasn't like Watson filling in for them. But even when Jaden Reed went out for a game, even when Dontavian Wicks went out for a game, like even when like Dobbs went out, like no matter who it's been, I haven't felt like, oh, they don't have, when Musgrave has been out, I, no matter what, I haven't felt like, the only one that I feel at this point that like is Aaron Jones. They don't have a replacement for Aaron Jones that can do what Aaron Jones can. I actually kind of feel like they don't have a Tucker Craft either. That's another one that I kind of don't want to lose at any point. I think he just is overall tight end play brings a lot to the table, but I feel like if you've got, like, give me three of Wicks, Dobbs, Watson, Reed, Melton, and, you know, you can throw in a Malik Heath as like a bonus. And I feel really good about where we're at as a wide receiver core. Yeah. And do you know how many carries the non-Jones running backs got in this Bears game? Goose egg. Goose egg. So I don't know what's going to happen with Dylan's situation. That's one I'm definitely keeping an eye on, you know, through, throughout the week this week. Because um, if that thumb's not right, I mean, it might just be Jones as the ball carrier. And I don't, I don't know if you want to go back into the Cowboys game or whatever, but um defensively i think the the one way that you could kind of take advantage of them it doesn't seem like they really want to tackle especially in the run game i've watched some of these cowboys games down the stretch um i don't think they want it in the run game and if yeah. you only have an aaron jones and we know you know you kind of have to use him as like a, a back that you have to spell or whatever and you you can't run him up the middle too much right um what does that do to your backfield and what does that do to kind of the game plan, especially in a game where, you know, Dallas might score a lot of points and you might have to score a lot of points too, right? Um, it's going to be interesting. I th- again, I think this is kind of a bad matchup for the Packers. To me, I I wouldn't change a thing. Give me Aaron Jones in the backfield. Like, you, you first of all, there's not a... He's, I think he's going to be back no matter what, but like, this is the last, this is the last game of the season if you don't win. So if he needs to touch it like 28 times, like, Oh no, like he'll be, I think he'll be fine. he missed enough games. He hasn't had to carry a huge bulk of the carries through the, the course of the season. His legs look fresh to me. And I think you're probably going to have to chase points at some time in this game as well. I, here's what I'll say. I'm more concerned that Jones ends up with 12 carries then I am concerned that he ends up with like 27 and it's too many. If he ends with yeah. 27, Green Bay's in a really good spot in this game, in my opinion. So I, use him as much as you need to use him. If you need to spell him for a couple downs here and there and Patrick Taylor fill in, rip the ball. Let Jordan go. I don't care. Like I don't, <laughs> even, I don't need to see a, a throw to Patrick Taylor. Maybe you can you know get him on a screen or a check down just to get him involved or whatever. But Give me Aaron Jones on however many touches you can get him. And on the plays where Jones isn't in, just rip it. And I'm cool with that. Send it in. Send it to Coach Mike. All right. I will will send it to the offensive staff of the Green Bay Packers. I'm sure they're listening anyway. Um, All right. A couple other quick questions for you. Then we'll get out of here. I have a fun one for you. You are 
starting a brand new franchise and you can choose three players from the Packers 2023 draft class to bring with you, which three players from the 2023 Packers draft class are you taking with you to start your franchise? Let me look it up. Um, 2023 draft class, not team, right? Correct. 2023 draft class. So Goody's what seems to be a bit of a masterpiece. You've got players that are kind of at different trajectories. You might have the long-term upside of an LVN. You've got a potential starting corner in Carrington Valentine. You've got Carl Brooks balling out. You've got Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks. Who are, who are your three that you are taking with you if you could have three of those players? All right. Uh, the uh, the Portland the Portland Packer Juniors are uh, – we're going to be throwing the rock. We got the first overall pick in this draft class. What we need is some guys who can catch catch for, I'll say it, Drake May. Drake May, the number one quarterback in this class, who I think okay. is actually going to go number one. Um, wow. Jaden Reed, wow. Tucker Craft, and Tavian Wicks. I'll go with those three. Um, That's kind of where I would lean as well, um, yeah. which is crazy. I think you can make an argument for a lot of other people, but I think those are the three I would take as well. Craft, Wicks, and Reed. I, I think, yeah. I don't need, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're in lockstep. I, I don't think I can talk myself into anyone else, but I, it's crazy though that you still have guys that are playing at a very high level um, outside of that and have super high upsides and guys like Musgrave and LVN. And yeah. it's, we took it's, a pass rusher like 12th overall and we're not even worried about it right now that he's, like, no. not, he's getting on the field like every fourth snap or something. And he's making it, he's finding ways to make an impact and he's getting better as the year goes along. So, but no, I'm with you. All right. Uh, really quick. Uh, I know there's been some chatter about Devonte Wyatt. Uh, I said, I think he's getting closer and closer to maybe being this breakout player. He still needs to finish. He had a really big impact sack in this game. He is pass rush. win rate is very, very good. Where, where are you at with Devonte? Um, I think I can contribute as a pass rusher right now. Um, I'm less confident about him being a breakout guy, I'm trying to look. So he's going to be 26 before next season. Yep. Um, and that's always going to play a big part of the evaluation to me is just the player's age. Um, so do with that whatever you want. Um, again, I do want to see this defensive line ran back next year. I, d- yep. I don't want to see, you know, a first-round pick spent on, like, Newton, the Illinois defensive tackle or something like that. Um, and just adding another body there and just getting fewer reps for these guys to develop in general. Um, I'd be interested, again, in a Wyatt and Brooks situation where they're playing at defensive end and Kenny's playing nose tackle in, um, in you know, nickel looks. Um, but as far as, like, you know, I, I don't think he's on, like, an Aaron Donald trajectory or something like that, but he's being a, a contributing starter at this point i think his pass rush win rate and stuff like that is pretty good for one of these younger guys but i think college football is in a weird spot where they're producing fewer and fewer star defensive linemen i'm trying to think of guys who have gotten drafted over the last two years i mean or all of the interior defensive linemen who have been drafted in the first round over the last two years from georgia like Uh, that gives you a perspective like how weird this has been like College football is doing a really bad job right now at, at developing defensive linemen. So I think for the relative scale of younger guys, he's doing better than uh, normal. But I think if you would have compared him to 10 years ago, I think it probably would have been closer to to what we expected from an average second-year defensive tackle. Um, so no, that's just that's my bad. opinion. 
I'm just going through. I know the 2022 draft had the two Georgia defensive tackles, and then obviously at pick nine this year, you had Jalen Carter. Oh, Kalaja Kansi is the only Kansi. other one. Okay. Kansi. Oh, and then Mozzie Perfect. Smith, too. Mozzie Smith and Brian Brzee. Okay. So you did have a couple other ones. Uh, Brzee from Clemson, obviously Smith from uh, Michigan. But yeah, you know, forget about Brzee because he's not he's not very good. Mozzie's yeah. fine. He's a nose tackle though. Brzee was a really interesting draft eval, but I came to that same kind of conclusion at the end. The, 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 some of the flashes from that dude were unreal, but yeah, the, the consistency was never quite there. I don't know if it's ever going to be there. All right, before we get out, I know we've sprinkled a lot of it in through the course of this episode, just little hints here and there, but anything else you wanted to talk about from a Packers-Cowboys standpoint? Put some respect on Dak Prescott's name. I can't believe last year we had the whole situation where we're like, you know, Dak's bad now in year six or whatever into his career because he threw some interceptions, which was clear, like, interception look type of situation. Um, I really don't think that there's that big of a difference between Burrow and Dak, and that's been my thought on this situation since Burrow was in college, basically. Um, I think those players are very close. I think uh, Brandon Cooks isn't going to do very much in this game, but I would be pretty surprised if CD didn't have a big game. I think there's opportunities for the Packers to get a lot of rushing yards. Um, you know, play action is always an iffy thing to kind of project, but I, I would assume the Packers kind of want to live in that world. The Micah Parsons thing is going to be a big deal. Pay attention to injuries, you know, with Zach Tom and uh, AJ Dillon this week. Uh, what do we think about Devondre's performance? I was actually cautiously optimistic about Devondre coming out of this game. Um, I, th- I liked some things that he did. It wasn't impactful, but it, it seemed he looked a little healthier to me is what I'll say. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I still don't understand fully what's going on with the neck injury. Cause he's still listed on the injury report with a neck injury. And a neck injury doesn't make you slower. So was it just like him trying to protect himself, being a little bit more hesitant and stuff like that? Um, they're going to need a pretty pretty decent game from Devondre, at least in the passing game um, in this one. I'm not really that worried about Tony Pollard as, as a run guy. I don't think the Dallas offensive line is as good as it's uh, been in recent memory, right? Um, so... That, those are kind of all my thoughts on this Cowboys team. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. Where I know Tyler Smith, Zach Martin have both been banged up, right? Like I think that's going to be, unless I'm mistaken, those two injury situations are could play a massive factor in this one. I think they've been starting uh, TJ Bass. He's a, is he an Oregon guy? Is he one of your guys, TJ Bass? He is, yes. Yeah. And I was, um, I was been- pretty surprised to see him in the NFL getting game action. If that gives you, yeah, I think it's one of the. I think Fennel posted today the like seven offensive linemen or something, or maybe it was the seven undrafted free agents that played four hundred or more snaps this year. He was on that list. He's gonna get a a big bump on the pay scale. Good for you, TJ Bass. Yeah. So they if they if they're out, like they've got guys that are not necessarily capable of filling in. So that that's a big one for me. And we just talked about the one thing on Green Bay's defense that they can actually do pretty well is some of those interior pass rushers. That could be an advantage if it, it well, we'll see. I, I guarantee you those guys are going to do everything they can to play. But, um, and again, I have to take a look at it a little bit closer to see where those guys are at from an injury standpoint. But I know that's what I'm going to monitor through the course of this week. All right, last, last, last question. Where, where does this put McCarthy if the Packers beat 
the Cowboys in this game. I saw a thing from – so I didn't realize this was even a possibility, but they asked Jerry Jones about McCarthy's job security, and he was like, let's take it game by game. I'm, they just won the, the NFC East. They're the two I, seed. No, I, that's, like, that seems silly to me. I mean, you're looking at all these candidates. I mean, all right, look. I'm going to go on a little rant, I guess. I got to collect my thoughts really quickly. Go for it. Jerry Jones paired him with – Kellen Moore. We know Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy did not want really an offensive coordinator at all, right? Yeah. He wants to call his own plays, all that stuff. That's who he's always been. They had the shotgun wedding so that Mike McCarthy could actually get the job. And then when he got the foot in the door, he was like, you know, I, I think I'm better at this than Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore, who, by the way, telling everyone in media, helping – um, this narrative on Dak Prescott last offseason saying that he doesn't think Dak can be the guy who can run, you know, one of these play action type of offenses, which may be true. Like maybe that's not what he wants to do. Burrow doesn't do the same thing either. Like they want to play in the gun. They want to di- spread teams out. They want to dictate where the ball goes. They want to be a point and shoot guys. Um, how many boot actions do you see uh, Peyton Manning run? Not very yeah, many. Exactly. Tom no. Brady on the move didn't happen. Like no. so quarterbacks are different. So the Kellen Moore goes to the Chargers. All these jobs are now interviewing candidates. You know who's not getting any head coaching opportunity calls? Kellen. I almost said the F word. Kellen Moore. Right. So yeah. I, I I thought it was time for the Packers to move on from Mike McCarthy and you know seas of change and all that stuff. But like for for the Cowboys to can him after he gets the two seed seems preposterous to me. Like he's, he's earned an opportunity to keep that job for a little while longer. We are once again, per usual in lockstep. I don't, I don't think he goes anywhere. Even if green Bay wins this game, I do think the, the pressure goes up considerably in 2024. If green Bay were to win this game. And especially if green Bay were to win, like, you know, by a couple touchdowns or something, I definitely think that changes some of the narrative, but I can't imagine even if Green Bay won easily that Mike's going anywhere, nor should he. He's earned that spot. And I'm also with you in that. I think he's a tremendous coach. I just think that the timing in Green Bay was right for it. It was just a, very similar to the Aaron Rodgers situation of them moving on this year. Um, doesn't take anything away from Aaron. Doesn't take anything away from Mike. It was just you. it had to go in a different direction. It did. It was the right time. But I still think I think Aaron's going to probably be great next year in New York. I'm sure Mike's going to continue to be great in Dallas. But um, yeah, I, I would be surprised if anything happened to him, even if Green Bay won. But I think the pressure turns up quite a bit. I think that's fair. It's the Dallas Cowboys, though. And it doesn't help that the owner is just like, yeah, I don't know. I'll feed the fire. Right. So I've, I yeah. feel like the pressure is always going to be high. The other thing is, like, who are you going to replace him with? Like, is it going to be Harbaugh? If it's not Harbaugh, Dan you're Quinn? moving off of a. Okay. I guess. Like, people have been able to hire Dan Quinn for years and no, I know. they haven't done I... it. So. You just never know with Dallas. You never know with Jerry. Yeah. You never know what it could possibly be. So but Dak I, I mean, led the NFL in passing touchdowns. You won the NFC East. Why do you want to reboot? That's just that's what it boils down to to me. Here's here's the situation I would potentially see is Green Bay wins maybe easily, and Dan Quinn says like that has like a head coaching job somewhere else like lined up like he can get it, and then Jerry has to decide: Do I want to go with Dan or do I want to stick with Mike? And then he, I don't know. Who knows? I don't think it's going to happen either, yeah. but I do think the pressure turns up. 
We shall see. Justice, I thought this one was going to be like 30 minute maybe today of like, oh, we got a lot. We got fun stuff to talk about, but we didn't have like a ton of topics. And of course, per usual, you and I can just probably talk for another three hours if we wanted to. Amazing stuff as always. Uh, Tell everyone where they can find all of your great work. You can find me at acmepackingcompany.com. You could subscribe to our podcast feed wherever uh, you get your podcast. I'm going to be talking with RJ Ochoa of Blogging the Boys to break down this game for the Friday episode. It'll be called Intercepted for our podcast feed this week. Um, And you can follow me on Twitter slash X at J-U-M-O-S-Q. Awesome. Make sure to go give him a follow. You can find me on the Packaday podcast 365 days a year. Of course, on Twitter or X at Andy Herman NFL. Appreciate you guys joining us every single week. I will talk to Justice again next week and we'll be back together. Uh, But until then and until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.